Hello and welcome to The Wheel of Sport. My name's Ian McNally. And I'm Justin Price. And this is brought to you by the Turnstile Network, Melbourne's newest, best, freshest sports podcast network. You're adding words to that every time. I know, it's, it's good, isn't it? It's like, I'm trying to promote it. No, you know? it's great. I'm just saying, yeah. like, that slogan just going to, at times, when we get a billboard out, it's just going to take the whole freeway over. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's true. Actually, we're going to spin the wheel. We've got a bit of a... The wheel's looking a bit different here, Justin. Um, you've rigged this wheel, haven't you, Ian? It's not me, actually. I uh, I knew the, the, the soccer, the soccer ball, the, the round football, ball. the round ball, the world game, uh, as it's known in where we're recording this in Australia. The World Game is uh, it, what's happened. Uh, it's it's the World Cup. It's not what's happened. It was <laughs> it was it was scheduled to happen. Uh, yeah, it's the World Cup time. Yeah, it's World it's, Cup fever. It, I, I'm, we're getting pretty excited. So what I decided to do, I, I wrote to um, what's it called, um, FIFA, FIFA something. Um, so I wrote to them anyway. I posted the wheel off to Flatini and, and Seth Latter, and uh, I said, hey, "Can you do something with this wheel? Because you know you organise. They're, they're good at the admin, aren't they? They're good at organising things that to happen, aren't they?" <laughs> That's possibly the most diplomatic thing you've ever said. Thank you. <laughs> so, so yeah, so posted it to Switzerland, you know, which nothing says responsible, I'm reputable gonna, than Switzerland. I'm, I'm going to cut you off here. None of this has happened, has it? You've literally stuck stickers across all the wheel with World Cup moments written <laughs> on it. I, well, I thought, I kind of felt that it was an opportunity too good to miss. So we're going to spin the wheel anyway. Yeah, we'll we'll do it anyway for I wonder what, yeah, let's just go. Here we go. Now, uh what are you hoping for? <laughs> just, are we going to get it's got to oh. be oh uh not oh, too stick. sure this time. <laughs> what are your stickers as fell off? <laughs> so, well, oh, there you go. So, uh World Cup moments. Way. World Cup moments. So we're going to do 10 of the moments that kind of shaped the World Cup, but kind of in turn shaped the world because the world is watching. The World Cup is watched by at least people uh, all over the world. And it's fun, isn't it? Well, look, it's... It's uh, got a long history. The World Cup's over a month, so we'll do two episodes. Over the next two episodes, we'll do World Cup moments. Yeah, all right. We'll do five in this episode, five in the next. And I don't. Are they? Are we going to do them in order? In rank? Yeah, we're going to do. We're going to go ten to one, aren't you? Ten to one. All right. Yeah, or one to ten. (laughs) We'll go ten to one. Ten to one. Ten to one. Well, the hell, that's all time. Your buses. Yeah, we'll go ten to one. Most people go ten to one on countdowns, don't they? But listen, we'll just make it clear. Our countdown is just. It's just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> so don't start don't start writing in saying you disagree with our ten to one. I, I don't care. Yeah, I wouldn't I don't mind really if you write in just so that we know you're there. But um no, let's get started. Go on, Justin, kick us off. Number ten. All right, okay. Number ten, right? And I'm gonna start with this because because we're English, right? We'll oh, here we go. I know. Uh England's only won one World Cup, right? And since we were born, we've been told that, right? <laughs> and uh, so, uh, it, like, England's only won one World Cup, so it can't possibly have a moment in the top ten moments since competition that's been. No, but hang on, hang on. We'll get it out of the way, 
right? And All then right. people can relax. <laughs> you can relax, you mean. <laughs> on. So the thing is, forget the fact that, well, don't forget the fact we won the World Cup because we did. However, right, the big thing about our World Cup final, uh, we played West Germany in 1966. In the final. In yeah. the final at Wembley. So it's in our own backyard. Incidentally, at Wembley, where England played every game of that tournament. Not that that was fixed up. <laughs> like, all the other teams had to play around all the provinces in England. You know, as far up as, like, Middlesbrough and the... It doesn't matter. You know. Listen, England gets to play at their own games wherever they want, right? <laughs> and we played at home, all right? But the thing is... the You know, the, you know the, the empire's gone. In terms of the moment, I can't remember anything because I wasn't even born, right? Neither were you. And But the thing is, we know about this, right? Every uh, English person knows about this because this bit of the game is played, right? And it's only the last minute of the game, really, right? So England are leading 3-2 against West Germany, right? And they're having a good old chant, probably, you know, doing the, doing the Dan Buster's theme tune, probably, <laughs> over, the, over the top, right? Because, you know, because we're English, we've got a sense of humour, right? <laughs> They haven't, but we have, right? And wow. then, right? <laughs> right, and then... Jeff Hurst gets a ball. He's running towards the goal just to waste a bit of time. And Jeff Hurst actually said in uh, since this goal, he said that he was just trying to kick it as far into the crowd as he possibly could just to waste more time. And he didn't. He hit it right in the top corner of the net. Let's just play the commentary. It's just a brilliant bit of commentary which goes down in history for me. And here comes Hurst, he's got some fiddler on the pitch, they think it's all over. It is now, it's four. And Charlton, and the first Lincoln Sound Number nine. This is a bit of an unusual one. I, I, it was your idea, so I think you should you should delve into this one. It, well, it, it says a lot about your personality. <laughs> well, one of the things, right, uh, about the World Cup I always find are players' haircuts, right? Because players t- do know they're going to the World Cup, right, and they prepare. So, obviously, you know, these are athletes. So, you know, they eat right, they train right, everything else. But the only other thing they do is they go to the hairdressers, don't they, right? And they make sure that the haircut is just right, ready for a World Cup tournament. I think there is something about, like, a male sportsman that, you know, and they only know there's, like, a, a short window of time. Like, the World Cup only comes around once every four years. So they, like, want to do something to be remembered. But it's only really soccer players who do this, I think. Because you don't see tennis players doing stuff like this, do you? Like, getting a special haircut for the championship or something. I don't know. Like, so, uh, go on, give us an example of uh, someone who had a, uh, who's got an iconic World Cup haircut. All right, well, uh, first of all, if you, do you remember Valderrama? Valderrama, of course. Carlos Valderrama. If you, if you, remember, if you remember Valderrama, I played for Colombia, right? And you you know what makes me laugh about it? I can't imagine a, a manager ever saying to, to uh, an, an opposition player, um, you lost Valderrama because <laughs> there's no way you could lose him. He just had that big bounce of a hairstyle. Like a Sideshow Bob at the Simpsons. Yeah, but it was like, it looked, in the wind it used to just blow wispy-like. Around, I think it was one of those haircuts that you thought if he headed the ball just right, he could actually just keep the ball in his hair and run along <laughs> with it in his head. He looked like a giant dandelion. You know what I mean? <laughs> he just blew from side to side. You know, I actually saw Carlos Valderrama in in the flesh. I was in. How did you know it was him? <laughs> 
I, I, I was in uh, I was in Florida. Were you still behind him at McDonald's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying try to look I, at the till. I thought it was an eclipse. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was, I was in uh, Florida in uh, MGM Studios, and I was just stood there. Behind him on a roller coaster. Sadly <laughs> not. It, it, we'd watched, it's funny enough, we'd watched them the night before in uh, the Major League Soccer thing, and uh, think <laughs> <laughs> the, the American take on soccer. And they had this really weird thing where you couldn't finish a game with a with a draw, you, you still have, have that, I think. Yeah, it was rubbish. And um, goes to penalties, doesn't it? This, this wasn't penalties. It was this weird like shootout where you start thirty yards out. The referee blows his whistle. You've got ten seconds one on one with the goalkeeper just to kind Brilliant. of ride it. <laughs> it's weird. Dribble, just dribbling. And Valderrama in. just did the worst like tried attempted chip, and it was awful. And he playing for Tampa, I think. Hence why I was in Florida. I saw him the next day at um, MGM Studios. I was gobsmacked. I couldn't believe that it was Carlos Valderrama in the flesh. So, did you not speak to him? No, I was absolutely dumbfounded. I go Valde. No, <laughs> it nothing. was just brilliant. Well, anyway, so there you go. I think he had a, he had a great haircut, but there was many more. Can you think uh, of anyone I with think a great one haircut? That, one that stands out for me is probably uh, Ronaldo, not Cristiano Ronaldo. Fat Ronaldo. <laughs> it's a bit unfortunate that he's got the nickname Fat Ronaldo. Well, basically, I think I'm the only one who calls him Fat Ronaldo. But he did put out power on the weight towards the end of his career, didn't he? He was brilliant, though, wasn't he? He was, he was just brilliant. But brilliant. He, yeah. his, his barber wasn't. It's 2002 World Cup. He had like, he basically had a haircut where he had like number one all over, except for the like middle of his head to his fringe, and that was like a number two. Right, that was just left longer. It basically looked like he'd been getting his hair cut and he just ran out without paying. <laughs> like halfway through, he's just like done that. It's really weird, like really weird hairdo. And then I suppose... I think I think that with Ronaldo, I feel sorry for him, you know, because in his career, you know, he was put on the rack in Italy. The, what the, do you mean, like the rack? Like well, the, 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 he was interrogated, though. He, he should have been. But, <laughs> but basically, they said he wasn't tall enough, so they stretched him. Really, like they physically put him on a medieval like yeah. <laughs> torch, I think. Yeah, which sounds ridiculous, but it's in his autobiography. He says it happened, so I believe him. Well, maybe he's got bigger things to worry about than the barbers. So his, um, his teeth? He haven't got his teeth there. No, no. Come okay. on, let's move right. on. Uh, <laughs> Poor Ronaldo. But if you think about like the uh, the uh, Romania squad, right in 1998, they all went blonde, didn't they? Or tried to go blonde. A lot of them went yellow, which is a bit odd. <laughs> it was meant to be blonde hair, I think. The weird thing is, is I remember watching the 98 World Cup, which was in France, wasn't it? And uh, the Romanian team ran out and they were being quite heavily ridiculed for the fact that they all had blonde hair. Yeah, I'm not and surprised, really. Jimmy Hill, who who is a stalwart of the English game and a big chin, was in the commentary team. And he was, like, defending him for it. He was saying, like, actually, it could make, you know, in the corner of your eye, you, if you see a blonde head, it's like it could give you the advantage over the opposition. And that year, Romania went on not to win the World Cup. So, it's, so it obviously did. Yeah, and probably the one that we've, uh, we'll have finish on for top Barnets. Yeah, is uh, Australia love this one as well because uh, they're into it, aren't they? Cause, uh, so in 1990... Chris Waddle uh, went for the uh, the mullet, didn't he? Oh, 
exceptional. Yeah, and I think since it's probably if the, deep down, I think the Australians are keeping that mullet alive for Chris Warren <laughs> because he was the only one and the last one I remember in England having the mullet. But it was a really, really well-grown-out mullet as well. It was a beautifully long shoulder length, really, you know, shortish on the back, and then really comes down to his shoulders. Beautiful, beautiful. Chris Waddle, I think, didn't he release a pop song as well, which is like an electro-wave pop like thing that was released in the charts as well. And that hairdo is straight out of that, like, synth movement as well, like, which is just makes it so much better. And his style of play just fits that like that look perfectly and i just love it when it all comes together yeah. like that and Superb. as i said uh there's different there are parts of australia that i go to and you see you see this still in fashion and you think text me back yeah <laughs> yeah so it actually we did our we started with uh kenneth walson home and we we spent a couple of minutes on that we've spent ages on the haircut so we 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 should move on. It's favourite bit of the World Cup. <laughs> In this World Cup, have a look for the different haircuts. Brilliant. <laughs> Let's get on to number eight. If you think about the top sports teams who actually make the World Cup, they're honed professionals, pampered. They've got all the things that they could need to do the job well. And the team I'm particularly talking about is France in 2010 under the stewardship of uh, the great coach, Raymond Dominic. Well, I mean, well, France did what they, you know, which they really, really do love, which, you know, the France team in 2010 went on strike, didn't they? And, like, I always think, the French love a good strike. The French strike on, like, quite often in society. You know, like, they, go, they love a good strike. It tends not to be millionaires going on strike, does it? But it's like, it takes a lot for a group of extremely successful top end at their profession millionaires to go on strike, but they did, didn't they? Just Over... before a World Cup, though, just at the World Cup, really. Just yeah, well, like... like they waited. It was at the World it Cup, so the World like Cup. they, they it was in there. South Africa. They, uh, I think, part of the problem as well is that in like Dominic's kind of attempt to shield or like get the press away, he just attracted more and more press because. It turns out that the French um, Football Federation had actually paid for the wives and girlfriends on a private jet to fly to South Africa. It cost like £220,000 to get them over. Like, that is not a great sign. And, you know, this is in times of, uh, you know, the credit crunch. Remember that? It is, but like I say, the players aren't going on strike for that reason. They're quite happy that the wives and kids are coming over. <laughs> they're, 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 literally, he drove them apparently to the fact where they said, "We're not getting anywhere with this guy. We're walking out," you know, and we're gonna, you know, just have well, this it was thing. over in Elka, wasn't it? Nicola, Nicholas and Elka, who strangely Henri had been pushed out of this team, and he was the captain. Yeah, great he was player, the yeah. the golden child of. Golden Jay wasn't a child, but he was just like the golden boy of French football in every respect. He's been edged out of the team. He's only told like a week before the World Cup that he's not going to be in the starting 11, which again is poor management by Dominic not to wear him up early doors. Like he's a legend of French football. And then he's edged out because Nicholas and Elka, who arguably is not in the peak of his career at 2010, gets to play instead. But Anelka kind of says, thanks, boss, by 
falling apart at half time. I think against Mexico, they're getting getting beaten, and half time he tells Dominic to uh, go away. Does in, he? Uh, <laughs> in French? In French? Uh, yeah, he. Yeah, mind your French. <laughs> I think it was the yeah, was the outcome. And Elka was kicked off the team for a profanity-laced tirade against coach Raymond Domenech, whose tactics and management skills have been called into question, following a disappointing first two matches at the World Cup, drawing 0-0 with Uruguay and losing 2-0 to Mexico. French Football Federation expelled Elka from the squad and basically put him on the plane home. And this is what kind of sparked the revolt, because Dominic went into the... Uh, they went into like a training session, which was... This is the first mistake, isn't it? After something like that happened, don't make your next training session open to the public. Oh, God. <laughs> so, like, hundreds of fans turn up in you know, South Africa. The players are signing autographs. Everything's going smoothly until the captain, who, again, has he's been... Ed, like, Henri's been edged out so that the captaincy can be given into Patrice Evra. And Evra has this flaming row with Robert Duverne, who's the fitness coach, who apparently has had some strange ways of getting the players fit as well. And so it culminates in the players kind of storming off and going on the team bus, which has taken them to the training session. But then what happens... It's place to run. I mean, you don't know where you, where you are. Yeah. So he could, they all get on the bus and they shut the curtains. <laughs> France's World Cup footballers have refused to train, engaging in a sit-in on the team bus in protest against Nicolas Anelka's expulsion from the squad. It's like teenagers going to the room and throwing the duvet over the top of themselves. Like It's so brilliant, this scene. It's so comical and infantile. And wonderful. Brilliant. <laughs> so, and very reassuring as well that, like, you know, we all have moments at work and in our lives where we kind of just want to, you know, hide under the covers. And the whole French team did it together. Shut the, shut the world out, even when you're on a coach. <laughs> yeah, so, well, well played, Raymond Dominic. Fair, fair play to yeah. him. For upsetting the most talented football team you could probably have. And any chance of winning anything are also going down in history. Well done. Yeah, they didn't win that year. Does anyone remember him now? <laughs> no. no. I don't think he got another job. He didn't see that coming in the stars, did he? Huh? <laughs> right, so uh, in at seven, Ian. It's, uh, it's a game between West Germany and France. It's in uh, the semi-final in 1982. Uh, the World Cup has been held in Spain. And it's a semi-final in, uh, in Seville. Yeah, and I think... They, they're playing late at night, aren't they? It's like nine o'clock kickoff, I think, because the temperatures are so hot. You know, and it, there is it, there is uh, evidence to show, isn't it, that more more crime and stuff and riots and stuff happen when the, when it's hot. I thought you were going to say in the dark. I was going to say <laughs> more crime in the dark. In the dark. Well. well, this was both hot and in the dark, yeah. so and this it is seemed a, the perfect crime. And, it, and to be fair, uh, when you watch this clip, this is a crime. It's not a foul. Like It is a foul on a football field, but it is a crime. So really. let's just describe what happened. So we got France-West Germany, and France got the ball on the halfway line. He spots a great ball right over the top. Right? It's Platini, Michel right. Platini. Yeah, Brilliant right. player. Brilliant player, right? Bad and, uh, lad. Good vision, right? <laughs> 
Not good with money, but he's he's a great football player, right? Allegedly. And, uh, Allegedly not good with money. <laughs> yeah. He was absolutely a great footballer. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he picks his ball over the top and uh, Batistone is running through on goal, right? And it's one-on-one with the German goalkeeper. Schumacher. Schumacher, yeah. Not the racing driver, right? <laughs> and uh, basically, he, he he basically gets to the ball well before the goalkeeper, right? And knocks the ball over the top of the goalkeeper. And it looks like it's going in. Doesn't go in. He, do, he misses, right? Just he goes wide, misses, yeah. yeah. However, the goalkeeper, Schumacher, doesn't miss him, right? <laughs> because he basically hip shoulders and elbows him clean absolutely clean the face right and there's just this camera uh, picture of him where he's just clean out on the floor right clean out just uh, it, it's it's he basically jumps in the air to take him out there right? is a camera angle from behind the goal on the replay where you actually because at first you just think it's just an innocent collision he's both entitled to go for the ball you know and he's probably just turned his back to defend himself like because he knows they're going to run into each other. They're both heavily committed to it. Fair play to them. And then you realise from the rear camera angle on the replay, definitely not fair play to Schumacher because Schumacher moves his body to the right so that he can absolutely... Lifts his arm. He hits him with such a ferocity that Batistan is actually knocked unconscious. Blackney. wonder what the uh, referee thought about the challenge from Schumacher on Batistone. It certainly looked a wild jump. Platini went over to see if he was okay. He said he thought he was dead because he didn't have a pulse. Yeah, yeah. That You know when you've been hit hard when you don't have a pulse, don't you? Like, this is... Well, he slipped into a coma, didn't he? Like, he hit him that hard. He, he literally put him in a coma. Right, and uh, he, he 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 lost two front teeth. Yeah, when he woke up, he was missing two teeth, three. He had three cracked ribs and a damaged vertebrae. The, it's a car the, accident, <laughs> that. that is a car accident. Absolutely. Like the 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 hard thing about this story is the collision. Well, the collision. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things that's harder to take, the referee didn't even send him off. No yellow card, didn't even give a foul. <laughs> he didn't give a foul. Gave a goal kick. It's a goal kick, which Schumacher gladly took. Back and he comes to have a word with Lopez to see whether he's ready to come on without really having uh, limbered up, which he is. And we're going to restart with a goal kick. Like Schumacher got criticised afterwards because they said to him, uh, you know, why didn't you go over and check that Batistone was okay? And... Um, presumably Schumacher just said, I knew he was dead. <laughs> like Schumacher said, oh, I didn't go over because there was a number of French players helping him out and making uh, derogatory gestures towards me. <laughs> so he didn't go. I didn't care. Play to him. You've got to watch the clip. I encourage anyone to watch that clip and, then, and not grimace when you watch it. A great World Cup moment. Great World Cup moment, yeah. So to finish it off for this episode, we've got down to number six. It's USA 94, which is, I do remember quite a lot from Italia 90, but this was like my first proper, really conscious 
World Cup. This, the interesting thing about USA 94, though, is growing up in, uh, in, in England, it's that England didn't qualify for that nope. World Cup. No, no England. Uh, no Scotland. No. Nope. No Wales. No Northern Ireland. So who am I going to support? Well, the Republic of Ireland, you know, obviously growing up in Liverpool, there's a strong affinity with Ireland anyway. Uh, and there's a f- quite a few Liverpool players and, dare I say, Tramia Rovers players who were playing for the Republic of Ireland. But they weren't that talented, were they? Journeymen. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, sort of Premier League tryhards, some of them. Like, yeah. they wouldn't be world beaters, but... They they still had some talent there, like but they were players who were maybe in the twilight years or had just passed their best a little. Um and one of those players was Ray Houghton. And Ray Houghton just came this moment is just so sweet. They play in Italy and they're expected to get smashed <laughs> by yeah. Italy because this is a top quality Italy team. Like they are Red hot, and yeah. they've got, and they're playing. I remember they're playing in the afternoon. They're playing mid afternoon, and uh, <laughs> I was thinking they're playing. They're playing Italy mid afternoon. The Irish have hardly seen the sun, and it's red hot in America. <laughs> and like it's the American summer, yeah. And like Italy, Italy obviously used to playing in obviously hot conditions. And people are just watching these Irish lads. They even look tired during the national anthem. Like they well, look the exhausted in the sun. The, the fluorescent lights in the hotel rooms are burning. The Irish. The Irish being led out for the sixteenth time by Andy Townsend in his new blonde hair. They they're playing in this immense heat. Players are getting booked for drinking uh, Guinness. They're <laughs> no, drinking water. They've got these like bags of water. I remember they had bags, not even bottles of water, just bags of water on the side where they're trying to just hydrate. And the referees booking them. It's just the most nonsensical thing. And Jack Charlton has been going potty at the FIFA people because they wouldn't let him throw any water out, which is ridiculous in these conditions after 24 minutes. Italy are on top. Of Ireland, <laughs> like no, no question. And somehow, your man at the back, of Paul McGrath, who's injured centre half, is just managing by hook or crook. Outstanding game to yeah, play outstanding against. He's playing against the Baggio, <laughs> like it's just in exceptional. But Ray Houghton steals the show. He gets this this long ball played up, knocked out, and it's knocked down from the defence. And he's, what, like 25 yards out or something? And he just hits this sweet shot, which just glides over the goalkeeper. And it's in the middle of the goal, like, just bursts the net. And then it just breaks loose, Ireland. And they finish the game 1-0 victors. Sheridan. But easy, onto it comes Houghton. And Houghton with a shot, and it's there! The beauty about his celebration was because he was like, he was getting to the older stage of his career. He was getting, the, you know, his knees were probably going a bit. And it's a celebration that just is the most joyful thing to me because it's what I, adma- I imagine my dad would do if he scored. <laughs> like, it just thought, like, hits the ball and carries on running, sees the ball goes in and then just thinks, I've got to celebrate. So it just goes into this weird forward roll. 
like, which is just just a beautiful thing. He'll call it a forward somersault, but we all know <laughs> it wasn't. It was a forward roll. It was like a, a fella joyfully falling out of a pub. Weaker foot as well, that is left foot. Great strike. Yeah, just brilliant. Yeah. But I, I and, did... and Italy ended up going to the World Cup final that year. Yeah, they did. And um So Ireland win that group game, one nil. I, I would say that the moment though is is it fair to say that it's overshadowed by another great Irish moment in this World Cup? Well that that's I mean, because I, I I obviously everyone remembers that Ray Houghton goal if you watched if you you know, cause I remember them beating Italy and thinking, My God, what a result that is. But I remember in the next, I think it was the next group game, they were playing Mexico. And again, it's it's red hot, right? And uh and it's you know like they're really they've been struggling in Ireland and they're playing Mexico. So you go from playing Italy, we're used to the heat, to, to Mexico. Uh, so let's just say they're also used to the heat, obviously. <laughs> well, and it's not definite that Ireland haven't qualified. They've got to, even though they've beaten Italy, they've got to kind of. You got to win another. You got to win some sort thrown, of yeah. result. And like the two 0 down, and like basically uh, Jack Charlton, the manager, he was he was a feisty, feisty person, wasn't he really? Right, Jack. He, he, he could. He, let's say he's assertive. Yeah, he can stand his ground. Yeah, he wants to make a substitution, right? So he wants to get John Aldridge on. Played for Tranmere, also played for Liverpool and Real Sociedad. Yeah, actually, I'm, Jack Charlton himself play, won the World Cup with England. He did in '66. Yeah, he did. So you know, he's a World Cup pro, isn't he? Uh, that's what that is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he wants to get. He wants to get John Aldridge on. He wants to get a centre forward on. Because he wants to try and see if he can save this game, right? But what it is, is they get some paperwork to the fourth official to try and get on the pitch, to get John Aldridge on the pitch, right? Well, what's going on here? The John Aldridge wants to go on, and the officials won't let him on. And for some reason, the paperwork doesn't get to the fourth official so that John Aldridge can get onto the field, right? So the guy coming off the field comes off. He walks off like he knows he's been substituted. He sees Jack Charlie, he sees what's going on. He comes off, walks off, goes and sits on the bench. But yeah, Tommy Coyne, I think it was. He he just comes off, sits down. <laughs> but John Aldridge <laughs> can't get on the pitch. Well, Coyne has gone off, and the referee hasn't yet allowed Aldridge on. But Aldo's still still there, like as though like it's like as though it's a nightclub, and one of them have been let, one of your mates has been let in, and you go to the bouncer. Well, we're a, we're a group. Like we've got to all be let it, and the advances going. Nah, you can't. You can't come in. And what's happened is, is a FIFA official for some reason. Don't know why the FIFA officials on the sideline, right? But he's in a blue jacket and a yellow cap. You can't get any more. <laughs> he's not inconspicuous. No, he, he looks. He looks like he's on a day out at Disney. That yeah. guy, to be honest, just walking around on the sideline. <laughs> but he's got the substitute card. Like so, he's not. So the the fourth official is the linesman who wants to bring him on. Hasn't got the piece of paper. This guy. So has. the fourth official is doing the right thing. He's doing it by the book. Yeah, he's doing it by the book. Somehow, the FIFA official has got the the, the note with the substitute on, but is not processing it. Jack Charlton is quite right to be indignant about that, and the gentleman in the yellow hat really exists nowhere in the firmament of international football and has no right to interfere in such an officious way. And both, and it's it's just classic, because the TV camera picks this up, where both John Aldridge and Jack Charlton both lose it with this official. And what John Aldridge said is just absolutely brilliant where he accuses him of cheating. He doesn't stop arguing, Aldridge will be sent off before he gets on. So wonderful moments, which John Aldridge didn't think was being watched by millions, but clearly was. 
And to be fair, Jack Charlton went and finished it off. So, well, the interesting thing about it is that after that rage, like that Aldo got himself into, he's gone onto the field Sheridan. and he scored. And McAteer. back for Aldridge. Yes, that's it. Great goal, John Aldridge. And that goal, they got beaten two-one Ireland that day, but that goal was crucial for making up the goal difference that helped them get to the next stage of the World Cup. So, and I, I often feel like if... If he'd if gone he'd, on sooner, 2-2, two, two, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I thought like if he'd, if he hadn't got on, if he'd got on straight away, perhaps he wouldn't have had the determination and the, the anger inside him to kind of... Because the goal that he scored is classic Aldo, like great header, but... I just think that he headed that ball with quite a bit of anger in him as well. So he I think if he, would have, yeah, if he would have taken 10% off, he wouldn't have scored it. So uh, maybe we should thank the ill-dressed FIFA official. But Jackie Charlton, he got, he got fined like $15,000 or something. And he, he he still says he doesn't know why. So He knows why. Yeah. <laughs> he does know why. But so there's our first five of our World Cup moments. And we'll we'll spin the wheel on the next episode to see what topic we get. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Ian. Thanks for listening to the Wheel of Sports on the Turnstile Network. Click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And that's it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I've lost all control and uh, I've lost. I lost it. I didn't know the cameras were on me. I thought the cameras were on on the game going on. We're seen by by millions upon millions of people all over the world. <laughs>